Sudan with three dear brothers, Ty Camp, Robert Hans, and Adam Lotz, three covenant members of this church, as we went all the way from Houston to Mvolo, South Sudan, where my family and I uh, spend some of the years we're pouring into church leaders um, and the community. To four prominent members of our home there in Mvolo, you have Daisy, Dandelion, Feisty Mama, and Fluffy T. Those are our goats, and they mean a whole lot to us uh, there in Mvolo. Now, Daisy and Dandelion are, are rather aptly named. They are sweet and gentle, and uh, we are very thankful for them. Feisty Mama is also rather aptly named. Uh, she is a mama who is feisty, and uh, we see that lived out almost every day in, in her personality. And then you got Fluffy, who is not very aptly named. We kind of took him as a, as a male goat, the father of uh, these goats that he's reproducing, and um, decided that maybe we should add a, a T on the end. It kind of mans it up a little bit. So Fluffy became Fluffy T. It's kind of his stage name, his rapper name. And uh, he's, a, he's a stud of a goat, and we're very thankful for, uh, for Fluffy T. Uh, but he's a, uh, he's a complete mess. And uh, we realized as we were naming our goats that we were becoming, you know, a, a, little, bit, a little bit attached to them, uh, which is a little bit different from the goats that we had gotten in the past, uh, which we just named Dinner. So we're so thankful for all that uh, God has done as he's been growing the, uh, the swan clan with our, uh, our, our goat companions. But it all started uh, because of a man named uh, Gabriel. He is a pastor. Um, I call him Abuna, which means pastor in, in Arabic. And he is very aptly named because he is what I think a pastor should be all about. He deeply loves Jesus. He deeply loves uh, the people in his community. And he is always putting them um, above himself. So Gabriel was the one who originally gave uh, the first two goats to us. We had, as I mentioned, just been eating the other goats that were given to us, which is perfectly appropriate in the culture. But, but he felt that we, we would be well served to keep these goats and to have some offspring and kind of grow a goat collection, which is what you commonly do in South Sudan. And Gabriel spent so much time with me, kind of giving me advice on how to raise goats and, you know, and, and how it worked and, and just loving us deeply. Now, to us as Americans, maybe it's hard to kind of fully wrap our minds around what that means. But for me, sitting in Gabriel's home, uh, being honored uh, by his presence and having uh, loved me enough to want to help me uh, fully become a part and, and our family just fully a part of the culture there really epitomize what I think he's about. I don't know about you in your life, but I'm guessing you will have some people in your life when you think of someone who is, is not selfish, but truly giving of themselves to other people, there are probably certain people that are going to come to mind. Maybe it's a mom or a dad. Maybe it's a grandmother. Maybe it's a grandfather. Maybe it's other people in your life where when you see them, they are just giving and giving and giving. Just a few weeks ago when I was in South Sudan, I showed up and there was Gabriel in the church service with some of the other ladies whom Shauna is discipling. And 
We had the church service that Sunday. I preached. We finished. They invited me to sit and talk. We sat and talked. I thought it was time to go home. And he said, hey, Peter, would you like to come to the baby dedication we're about to go do? I was already worn out. You know, it's like a three-hour service. And, and, uh, but I went, and uh, they served us a meal. We kind of sat around and ate together, and we did the baby dedication. He said, okay, now it's time to go to the funeral. So then we walked to uh, this other home, and we, we sat there together for some time, and he spoke, and I spoke, and the lady spoke, and we had an opportunity to minister to the family at the funeral. By the time I got back uh, to our home, it was the end of the day, and I just marveled at what it looked like for Gabriel to, to really live this out. One of the things that you and I are struggling with is that we live in a highly selfish culture. If I'm just shooting straight, just shooting for what it is, I think we can all, we can all acknowledge, we can all admit that it's the way that our, our culture is wired. We're in the age of the selfie, we're in the age of social media where we're just trying to make ourselves look good and, and, and have this way of sort of framing our identity and, and who we are. We all would love to make more money. We'd love to be more famous. We'd love to have more followers and get more attention. We'd love for things to kind of be the way that we would like for them to be. And, and some, of them, some of that is not bad, and, and, and some of it is, is not good. And in the midst of it, we run face-to-face with a Christianity that calls us to die to ourselves. Pastors don't like preaching that message in 2021. No one likes to hear that message in this culture in 2021. But the scriptures are clear that that's what Jesus was all about. And as we run into it, at first it may repel us and push us back. And we say we don't, we don't want to follow Jesus if we have to truly lay everything down. And, but then we realize that the only way to really know him is when we surrender everything to him. And the only way to really experience his love and his joy and his peace is when everything is laid before him. If you'll think with me again about those people in your life who, who really live lives that aren't selfish but are truly always giving to other people, those are the people who typically are the happiest, aren't they? They're the people who worry the less, the least. They're the ones who seem to be the most joy-filled and and have the most contentment in life. And certainly that's the case when we follow Jesus, when everything, everything is surrendered before him. Well, last week we were talking about John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11, and this experience that Jesus had with him, and talking about who he was. This is a continuation of the passage from last week, as Jesus is going to transition And I think have some insight for us today. So Matthew chapter 11. Let's pick it up where Lindsay was reading earlier in verse 16. It says, but to what shall I compare this generation? Now that in Jesus' time was a men and women and children who were alive in his day. But I think it applies to us as well. It is like the children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. So Jesus was saying, look, John the Baptist and I have been proclaiming truth to you, but so many of you are missing it. It was as if Jesus was trying to convey to them that they had different expectations for who John the Baptist was going to be and who he was, and they were missing the truth of the message that they were bringing. 
So John the Baptist, as we talked last week, was this prophet. They had waited 400 years with no prophet, the people of Israel had. And finally, John the Baptist came, and he came to point the way to the coming king, who is Jesus. There have been prophecies about John the Baptist, prophecies about Jesus. But Jesus did not come, and John the Baptist did not come, in a way that was expected. For John the Baptist, they had been expecting Elijah, because the prophecy had been about Elijah, and he was a type of Elijah. But he did not come in the form of Elijah, and they missed him. Jesus, they had expected, would come as a a great king. He would come with this big army and overthrow the Roman Empire, which at that time was oppressing the Jewish people, and they were desperate to see deliverance. God had previously done it when the people of Israel were in bondage of Egypt, and God brought them out of Egypt. And so they craved this sense of freedom from bondage and desperately wanted Jesus to be the one who would do it. The prophecies were about this coming king who would bring a new kingdom. And so they thought when the king came, he would overthrow that empire and he would be the new government. He would be the king on the throne. But in the process of building up that expectation, so many of them missed who Jesus really was. He was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He did come and make a spectacle of every power and authority. Those spiritual powers and authorities, Colossians 2 tells us. He came and defeated sin and Satan and death that day on the cross. He is a king unlike any we could possibly fathom. He is glorious and pure and mighty and majestic. He's merciful and gracious and kind. None can begin to fathom how great he is. It's why the scripture calls him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But if you would look for him like you would look for an earthly king, you would miss him altogether. And so here Jesus is saying, but to what shall I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. In other words, we played the flute and normally you dance, but you didn't dance this time. We sang a dirge and normally you would mourn, but you didn't mourn this time. In other words, we came to you and fulfilled those prophecies, but you didn't respond to it appropriately because you missed us all together. I wonder how often in our culture the same thing happens. So many times we might miss what God's doing in our lives, ways that he's stirring us and and trying to speak to us, but we just miss it. We're We're too busy. We're consumed with other things. We'd rather watch Netflix than we... We maybe miss what God's trying to speak to us. We, we drown our lives in going to places and getting things done and miss those silent moments where he's trying to engage our hearts. There's so many ways that I wonder if I miss and maybe we miss how the living God is trying to engage us because we're expecting one thing, looking for one thing, and we're missing the reality of what he's trying to do. I worry about so many in our, in our culture who are expecting a you know, a certain, a certain type of God, the encounter with God that, that they want to have is, is maybe so much different than it really is. So many have this impression of a Santa Claus, God just up there to, to answer our requests, and then we get all bitter and, and upset when, when he doesn't. And, 
as if we're a kid at, at Christmas who didn't quite get the gift that we wanted. And for some reason in our culture, there's just been this idea that's, that's who God is. He sits up there in his red suit and his big belly and his, his fluffy white beard. And, and he's there just to listen to our prayers as we ask him things. And he should just give us whatever we want. And it, it feels to me that, that all too often we can miss the, the depth of what a relationship with God is all about. This journey of Christianity, what it's meant to be because we are sucked into some false reality of who, who we think God really is. And so just as so many people are missing who Jesus was and John the Baptist was, there's, there's this fear that I feel that, that so many in our culture will, will miss God, will, will miss who, who he really is because we have this perception of him, maybe from what we've seen on TV or maybe certain books that have become popular out there and we're, we're missing the reality of what, what the scriptures say about him. I mean, what is truth about God? Not somebody else's perception or what they want us to believe, but the, the reality of what, what truth is. And I don't know about you, but I desperately don't want to miss him. There is nothing that's more important on this planet than for you and me to know the living God. There is nothing in any of our lives. But the problem is that this world is going to constantly try to pull us into other things, whether it's money or having the right house or writing the ha- having the right job or having the right family or having the right something else. And yet the living God just waits for us. But, but we don't get to dictate who he is. When we come to him, we've got to come and, and surrender ourselves before him and really, really embrace him for who he really is. One of the things that so often happens in this, in this journey with God as we fail to marvel at him. It feels to me that there's so many church traditions these days where maybe we're great at studying scriptures and it's so incredibly important. Or maybe, maybe we focus on, on prayer and that is unbelievably precious to us heart. Maybe we are focused on, on the music or, or sort of the appearance of what church is about. But, but really at the core, at the core of it, it's a sense of, of God, I come before you. I lay everything before you and I just marvel at who you are. I just stand in awe of you. I just worship you. I mean, think about Jesus here. This was the King of Kings walking on the planet with all these people who rubbed shoulders with him, even saw the miracles that he did and still missed him. Somehow they missed what he was doing right in front of their faces. When instead it would have been an opportunity just to, just to pause and to, and to stop and just marvel at the fact that here the king of kings was with them. Today is a really significant moment for the nippers and, and the swans and our families and for our church and, and for the, 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 the nippers and Clintons and Hortons who've been pouring into our youth just for so many of us as Kylie and Timothy are going to be baptized at the end of our service. And, and for all of us who have waited towards this day, it's a product of so many prayers and, and, and the grace of God and the, and the move of God and, in Kylie's life and in, in Timothy's life. And there's going to be such a cry of joy in a few moments when we're out there just celebrating what, what God has done. 
And it's led to a period of reflection in my own heart, even in recent days and weeks, just thinking about Timothy's journey and everything that God has done in, in his heart and in his life. And one of the things that's been deepest to Sean and me through the years is the significance of the names of our kids. And Timothy means one who reveres God. And, and one of our deep, deep prayers for, for Timothy has been that, he would stand in awe of the king. He, he would just deeply revere who God is. And it's been such a joy just to see that surface, surface in his life. And I, I just deeply hope that, that for me and, and, and for all of us as a Hope Church family, but, but can I just say particularly for our kids, I hope our kids are worshipers of the king. I hope that we look at our kids and as, a, as we as parents are, are raising them in the Lord, we will, we will find them to be worshipers of the King. Don't, don't just know a lot about God, just worship Him. Don't, don't just say that, that we love Him, but then not live lives that reflect it, but just, just deeply worship Him. Be, be those who will just exalt Him with our, our lives and our minds and our time and our attention and our talents and our abilities and, and all that we do so that we, we don't miss the greatness of who God is. It just boggles my mind that here Jesus was and John the Baptist with these teachers of law who had long taught the prophecies about the King who was going to come and then when He actually came, they totally missed Him. It's deeply crave in my own heart and life, and I think for all of us, that with the greatness of who Jesus is, we would not miss him. In the midst of a world that has so much for us to worry about and so much for us to focus on and so much for us to do, and that it would start for us as a Hope family just with our kids. So even, as they, even as they grow up, it would just be with this deep adoration of the King. Can we just pray for that together as a Hope family? Can we just pray for that for one another and for our, our kids, our Hope kids, as they're, as they're raising up and, and even as we're celebrating baptisms today. Verse 18, for John came, this is John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So John the Baptist comes. He's not eating or drinking. He's living a rather ascetic lifestyle. He's fasting. He's out in the wilderness. Now, we talked last week about how he would eat uh, locusts and, and honey, but then have these other periods of time when he was, he was fasting. And so they would say, he has a demon. And that might be a little bit shocking to us, in America, we don't commonly go around and, and say, somebody's really messed up. He's got a demon. Um, you don't typically hear that on Twitter. Uh, but in the culture uh, of this time, where there was such a heightened sense of spiritual things, this would be really common. And, and in, actually, in most parts of the world uh, today, where I think they really more accurately reflect the, the spiritual nature of angels and demons and, and what's going on. Uh, that would be more part of their conversation. This was contrasted with Jesus. Verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. So this is Jesus talking about himself. He came eating and drinking. And they said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
Now, you and I might think, how in the world are they claiming that Jesus was a glutton and a drunkard? What an unfathomable thought that Jesus is going around uh, drinking himself to death. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by our deeds. But we do know, if you read through the page of the Bible, that Jesus loved to be with people who weren't yet following God. This was a deep passion that he had. And I hope will also be a deep passion of ours. Tax collectors were notorious. They were known as, as oftentimes the, the worst of society. They represented Rome. They had to go try to exact tax for people. They hated tax collectors, the Jewish people did. They could not stand to be around them. And those were the ones Jesus made a beeline for. He wanted them to know the love of God and the mercy of God. And so he would go and spend time with them. And maybe many of them were gluttons and drunkards. I don't know. But somehow this was also uh, labeled on Jesus' life. And here Jesus is saying, look, you're saying one thing about John the Baptist. You're saying a whole other thing about me. You're blaming him for not eating. And so you're giving him labels. You're blaming me for eating. And so you're giving me labels. And then Jesus closes with this powerful phrase, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. In other words, your life will bear the fruit of what's really on the inside. One of the things that's happening in our culture is it's so easy to follow people just because they're famous. Or we follow people because they're really, really gifted. I mean, whoever dreamed of a culture Or if you're really good at at swinging a piece of wood and hitting a flying object coming at 100 miles an hour, that you could make a ton of money. And whoever dreamed of a culture where if you could take a, a spherical object and you could shoot it really good, that that you would make so much more money than you could ever have fathomed. Whoever dreamed of a culture where if you could take what's called a pigskin and run through a bunch of people to what's called an end zone, that you would be more famous than you could have ever dreamed. But that's the reality of what, what our life is like in America today, where culture will dictate these things. And so we begin to see them on TV. We begin to, to see them on social media. And so we, we begin to, to want to be like them. And so we begin to, to crave the things that, that we see are, are out there. But, but the problem is sometimes we're idolizing people who, who maybe aren't evoking the values that we really deeply care about. Or maybe there's this presence, this online presence, and then eventually other things begin to happen, but Jesus is saying here, if you really want to know, if you really, really want to know what someone's all about, you can be able to tell it by the deeds of their life, by the fruit of their life, by the way that, the way that things come out. I remember being in South Sudan one time, and these missionaries came, and, and they were like, uh, Peter, we've got this guy in our, in our culture who claims to be a prophet, and he's, he's going around and saying and doing a bunch of things that seem sort of crazy but can we just talk together to know whether or not he's legit and it seems to me that that scripturally one of the best ways to know that is to try to consider the fruit of their lives are their lives lived in a way that is consistent with the scriptures that 
that's honoring to God? Are they drawing other people to God? Are, are the things that they're doing consistent with the things that they're, they're saying? There's something about the fruit of their lives. And I think what you and I will find is if we really study, if we really consider the fruit of someone's lives, what does their spouse say about them? What do their kids say about them? What do you see in those moments when, when hardly anybody else is around? What is the fruit of their life look like? You may find yourself drawn to the people who, who aren't famous or, or aren't getting the attention or, or aren't getting the same type of acclaim that, that other people are getting. But they're the ones who just deeply, deeply walk with God. And here... Jesus was being missed by these teachers of the law and, the, and, and so many of the Jewish people. They were, they were maybe getting caught up in the things that were said about him, that, that he was a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And, and you and I today, having studied the scriptures and, and the life of Jesus, might say, how in the world do they buy into that lie? But they did if they didn't look at the fruit of who he was and, and the way that he lived. And so today, I think in the scriptures, it's just a, a really gentle but, but powerful encouragement for you and me not to miss Jesus. And, and I don't mean Jesus as he's portrayed by, by our world, but I mean Jesus as conveyed by the scriptures. I mean the, the true and living king. And so I think the best way for you and I to, to really know Jesus and, and, and who he is and to, to wrap our hearts around him is is through the scriptures. And I want to encourage us as a people to be so diligent in our time every day of just pausing and soaking in the reality of who Jesus is in our time of prayer and then and then in our time of worship. Just bowing before him and surrendering our lives to him once again every day and just just worshiping him. We said so many times through our journey as a as a church that we hope you are so much different six months after you come the first time you came through the door. And of all the ways we hope you're impacted, maybe through the service on Sunday, maybe even more in our, in our home groups and in our discipleship groups, but we hope that more than anything else, you just have time with the King. You just spend that time with Him. Just take a few minutes and just spend that time reading the Bible and praying and, and worshiping and allowing God Himself to, to engage you. It's a guaranteed encounter with the God of the universe. Every time you open the Scriptures and, and pray and worship and allow His Spirit just to touch you. So Hope Family, I just want to encourage us not to get, not to get too busy and just drown by the things of life. Not to miss Jesus. Not to miss Him but just to pause before him and let him engage our hearts as only he can. Let me ask you to stand. Let me ask your music team and our, our prayer team to come. So thankful for this time that we have uh, together tonight and just want to encourage us now as we move into a time of reflection to allow the Spirit of God to touch our hearts. We're going to have our, our prayer team up front. I want to encourage you, whether you're a guest here or a covenant member uh, with us, to feel free to come for prayer. We would be honor to pray with you. It could be of something that we have talked about uh, tonight. It could be 
um, a prayer for something you're going through, maybe a physical pain or maybe a relational uh, issue that you're dealing with, maybe something at work, whatever it is in your life, we would be so honored to pray for you. Most of all, if you've never journeyed with Jesus before, we'd love to talk with you and get to share with you a little bit about his love for you, his care for you, and just everything that he has done. Sending a son to die on a cross and rise from the dead and just how deeply he loves us and cares for us. So this time up front is just open for any of us who are just hungry for God, whether you've never journeyed with him before or you've journeyed with him for the last 30 or 40 years, we would be honored to pray with you. Thank you, God, for your love for us and for who you are. Thank you that you're in this place now. God, some of us, I think, just have deep things we're grappling with, we're, we're struggling with, just points of pain in our lives and we just need you and father we're going to have an amazing time and in 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 maybe 15 or 20 minutes when we're out baptizing and 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 just celebrating who you are and what you've done but before that right here right now we just want to respond to you the reality of your scriptures and and who you are jesus we don't want to miss you In the midst of a fast-paced, hectic world, we just want to pause and be with you just right here in this moment. And God, for those of us who are just deeply feeling maybe the pains and the wounds of this life, I pray that we just feel free to come for prayer and that your spirit would touch us and and you would do your work in us. That you, the great and the living God, would just meet us. Maybe some of us, even in our seats right now, will just pause and take time to reflect and just allow your spirit to engage us. We are hungry. We pray that you would meet us now. And just move as we pray and as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.